welcome to episode 89 of the High Sensitivity Gaming Podcast. Thank you for listening. If it's your first time here, we talk about video game and movie news as well as what we watched or played over the week. My name is Barry, along with my faithful, always here co-host. My name is Craig. I am freshly back from the multiverse and ready to go. And you're you're probably primed. You're, you're primed. ready. You're. I couldn't be any more fresh. I'm like an hour out from seeing the Spider-Man, so I'm good to go. Well, first we will talk about the ever faithful news. Yes. And since talking about Spider-Man, I just figured I'd mention Spider-Man No Way Home has been breaking records and yeah. easily got over 500 million this weekend in uh in international sales. I think it was like 300 million from the US alone and the 200 yeah. million from uh from international markets. Uh I I won't be surprised if it like ends up being one of the uh most grossing movies because I don't yeah. I know Endgame and Avatar did really well, but like this, uh, I don't know, this Spider-Man, like it's the highest rated movie I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I know there what I was reading, like just before we started recording was it's right behind right tentatively Endgame and Avatar and that kind of stuff. And if it wouldn't yeah. be if this would have been normal time and not like, you know, we have more of a spike of COVID cases, this probably easily beats Endgame, I think. At least, yeah, at least so personally. Too. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy to me that like I, I know we've been excited for this movie, but I guess I didn't realize how excited everybody was. Like this is like endgame level excitement for this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. Uh you know, speaking of like spoiler talk, and I'm not gonna talk about the spoilers to this movie yet, mm -hmm. but like it's it's we've risen like the people have risen again and been like, Hey, you know, don't spoil the movie for everybody else. And like, this is kind of one of the biggest outcryings of don't spoil it since end game. You know, we yeah. haven't really had anything like that. It's, it's amazing to me how we like, it seems that only Marvel movies get this treatment where it's like, everybody's like, don't spoil, don't spoil this Marvel movie for other people. And right. other movies don't seem to get that as much. Yeah. I don't hear an outpouring of people saying don't spoil the matrix this week. Yeah. It right. Comes out, right. <laughs> it is, does seem to be, I guess a little bit with star Wars. If I'm trying to think of other movies, I guess it's not like this where it's like a campaign to not spoil, but I think I remember a little bit of that from star Wars. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess star Wars, but uh, if, if you're trying to keep away from spoilers, just like don't go on anything at the moment. Yeah. I haven't seen anything on Twitter. Surprisingly, mm -hmm. But YouTube has been a mess where <laughs> you could be watching a music video for your favorite artist and a spoiler for Spider-Man is somewhere in there or something like that. I don't know. Sick yeah, people. I, I mean, I count myself lucky. I didn't go see it Thursday I, um, as of today, like I saw today, which is Sunday. Um, I didn't see anything online. And obviously I was trying to stay away, uh, but it's not like I was completely offline, but I saw literally nothing until I saw it today, which was nice not to have anything spoiled. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm with you, but <laughs> good good on Spider-Man. This uh I I guess I'm more I, I am kind of surprised that it's making this much money, but in the mm -hmm. end of it and after seeing the movie, I'm not surprised at all. I'm surprised that it's not even more money. People Yeah, I guess people have been wanting a big theater experience and this is really the first one. I mean, Eternals didn't really do it. Shang-Chi was good, but that didn't do it. This was yeah. the one. This is the one everybody was waiting for. Exactly. 
Um, all right. I have one that I thought was kind of cool. Uh, Hades is the first game to win a Hugo Award, which is given to best story in just media in general. It's the first video game, which I think is very, very cool. Um, I, I think it deserves it. I know you like Hades as well. I think the story was very, very good. Yeah, I loved Hades. And I think for the most part, it's got like so much to do with how Hades works within its also gameplay and uh, how the story works with all of the gameplay elements that that game has it. Yeah, it, it deserves like everything it's been getting. Uh, I know last year it did see a lot of love when it came to game awards and everything like that. But, you know, even a year later, this game is still getting awards as much as it has. You know, you mentioned Hades and now it's like, oh, I should play Hades again. I should just play a couple <laughs> runs. The- yeah, I think, too, what's cool is the the story of Hades isn't like spoon fed to you. You kind of have to really get into it and really want to know, honestly, because, I mean, if you're just kind of skipping through, you would miss a lot of it. Yeah, you would. But yeah, H- congrats Hades- to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Hades. And I know they the. The guy wasn't able to go to the awards to like accept it in person, but he did release a video from the team thanking, you know, um, thanking the team for everything. And, you know, they really I don't know if they'll do anything else with Hades. I they probably won't. So I almost kind of wonder what new game they're already on, because Hades has been out for more than a year now out of early access. So you've you've probably have the team working on a other completely other different game from Hades. Yeah. And I almost feel bad because how do you follow that up? Like, do you stick with the same genre? Do you try something else? I mean, that's that's tough. Well, they've never uh, they've never been one to like repeat genres. Like, I will say Bastion and Transistor, I do feel were kind of similar. And then Hades was almost it's completely own different thing. So I wouldn't I I think they'll do fine just finding something else to do, whether it's something that is Hades like or not. That's true. I agree. So. Best of luck to them that they can follow yeah. up. I think they will. Yeah, so do I. We then have Tencent buying the Back for Blood studio Turtle Rock. Uh, kind of a surprise considering, you know, we did just get an update from uh, for Back for Blood that allows you to progress online so you don't have so that way or sorry, offline. You get offline progression now. And this, I know the deal is probably was in the works even before that, but Tencent just buying up everything, everything. they possibly can. <laughs> it they have the hope, money. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully this gets a little bit more support for the Back for Blood team. Like the concept of like creating a Left 4 Dead game again is there. It just isn't executed as nicely as I think a lot of people would have liked. Right. And you know, there are times where I love the card system and times where I hate the card system. So Maybe they could streamline it a little bit more to uh, to to for it to be more balanced. But, you know, now there's an influx of money in Turtle Rock Studios, and I imagine they're going to continue to work on Back for Blood and make it better, hopefully. Yeah, I hope so. I man, I bounce off that game so fast. It's not what I expected. Like, I honestly expected to really get drawn into it. But I think I played it for maybe a week and maybe I didn't give it a fair enough shot but just it it did not hit with me. I think the offline progression in my case works in my favor because it gives me more of a reason to go in and be like, oh, let me try it single player and see how it is. 
Um, but yeah, as long as they keep updating, I think there'll be enough people playing it that it'll stay somewhat popular. Yeah, like I, I will say, even after beating the campaign and going to help like friends with their parts of the campaign, the it's never like the same experience twice, despite the fact that, you know, um, it is kind of the same formula and this and everything like that. You know, the games with it's like random, the director, I think it was what is what it was called, like mm-hmm. random cards that it generates to make each level kind of new and feel and add new challenges. I think does work really well. So I think it's a game that as long as it continues to get optimized, you won't get bored of. And, you know, I, I'll still play it if friends want me to. It's yeah. Not terrible. I feel like I should at least get through the campaign. I think it owes at least that much for me. Yeah. Yeah. The campaign's not great. <laughs> I'm, I'm like thinking about the campaign and everything I went and I was like, yeah, you know, the campaign was all right. Yeah. I've been on like a massive this week in particular, like kick of trying to finish all these games yeah. this year so like that one is just kind of at the bottom of the list for me but i should do it yeah i completely understand um just a quick one i have is that i don't know if it's 100 percent sure or not but it seems like the new mass effect game is running on unreal engine 5 i mean we just got to look at that with the matrix um i don't know what you call that the experience uh yeah tech so, demo yeah. yeah so that could be cool um we may be looking at one of the first games running it at least that we know of, it would be Mass Effect. And I think that'd be a perfect game to use it, to utilize, you know, big cities, thinking of the Citadel in particular, how much better they can make that look if they go back to it, or just planets in general. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and and even, like, with all, like, the particle effects that that tech demo showed off in the Matrix, like, yeah. you would probably get some really cool set pieces. Like, you mentioned the Citadel almost, and I yeah. think about the huge action set piece from mass effect two when you're invading the um what is it the suicide mission that final yeah. mission is, I, I forget what you're invading i want to say it's a sovereign ship but i don't i can't remember for the life i believe of so <laughs> but like imagine like that in a wholly like new different cinematic way and it, that would look that'd be a really pretty game to play yeah it'd be very cool as hopefully it's good we just it can't have another mass effect andromeda because if no. it does I mean, the Mass Effect series, I think will go. I don't think we'll see another one after that. And I don't think they've given a release date yet, right? Like a no. year? No. Yeah, it's we, not going to be. We barely know anything about the game. Yeah, it's not going to be next year, 2022. Probably 2023 nope. at the earliest. Yeah, if, if we're, I think if we're lucky five years from now, we, <laughs> it's out at least. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> not so much news, but just kind of more announcements. The Sega Genesis expansion pack for the Switch Online added five new games or some new games. I don't know them, but you might, Craig. Altered Beasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Toe Jam and Earl. That's a good one. Dynamite Heady or Heady. That's a good one, too. <laughs> uh, sort of Vermilion and Thunder Force 2 were all added in there. Uh, it's, I was hoping for more like N64 games because I never played the Sega Genesis when I was a kid. Yeah. But um, it's, it's only been about a month since the kind of expansion pack launched, and they're already adding new games. So hopefully we see more on the N64 side as well soon. Yeah, that's a good thing because I know that's what I was worried about is them not adding. Um, what was the 64 game they said they were adding? There was... uh, I know I know it said they're adding Majora's Mask. Okay. Uh, I feel like there was something else too recently they said was getting... Oh, it was uh, Super Mario RPG? Maybe? Yes, yes. Okay. You're right. Um, and I still haven't paid for this yet. Um, I've just been kind of waiting to see what they add. Um, but I mean, that's a decent lineup. Um, those Sega games are... 
they're okay. I wouldn't say they're like your top of the line. You need to play these to have the Sega experience, but they're not terrible. They're they're headed in the right direction. Yeah, I, I would agree. It's it's just too bad that I don't recognize any of these games because if I did, I'd probably play them. <laughs> yeah, and even though I know these, it'd probably be something that I'd play like one time for like ten yeah, minutes and be like, for, yeah, I yeah, for that. ten minutes, and then yep. yeah, you're done. <laughs> Yeah, the 64 games is what everybody's going there for. I think the Sega ones are just secondary. Exactly. <laughs> Next um, up, it, yeah, go uh, ahead. Wait, yeah, ahead. no, it no, it it was you. It was you. I <laughs> I I made a mistake. Oh man. As I will let you go. You go. <laughs> I'm going to This is the last one I have. I saved it for last because I'm jumping into territory that I will admit that I don't really know a whole lot about, but I wanted to get into the whole NFTs and games. Oh, uh, yeah, I heard uh, about this stuff. All right. I'm glad, okay. I'm glad you're diving into it because I stayed away. And again, I understand NFTs. I don't understand people buying them up. I just don't get the mindset of buying a digital piece of information and acting like it's just yours. But that's beside the point. Um, first, we had Ubisoft, right, who are going hard with uh, trying to get NFTs out there. Um, but the one I saw that I wanted to focus on was Stalker. Um, we have Stalker coming out next year and they had released that they were releasing NFTs that you could buy that would put you into the game as a NPC um, that was met with a bunch of backlash. And then later, uh, the beginning part of this week, I believe uh, they went back on that and they're not doing NFTs in games. But what I wanted to get at here is I think this is a very dangerous road. It almost feels like when they first started putting um, DLC in games. It, it just yeah. kind of feels like that's where we're headed, where this is just going to be the new normal. Um, if it's something like being a NPC in a game and you're paying like $500 to be in a game, I'm fine with that. I get it. If you really want to be in a game, you really like, sure. But I just don't want to see this become the new norm where, you know, we're already paying. We won't get into how much you paid for an heirloom in Apex, but yeah, we're already we paying. Thank you for saving me that. <laughs> yeah. that we're already paying a lot of money for DLC, and this is just like 10 times that amount. So, again, I don't fully understand everybody's obsession with NFTs, but I don't really want it in gaming if we can help it. No, yeah, I, comp I completely agree with it. Like, NFTs, I think, are kind of strange things in general. Like, and more about it is it's not even so much like a it's it's like almost images or gifts or like yep. sports highlights these nft things are now becoming so popular in and now like gaming is trying to do it like it i don't i don't much get it we already pay too much for you know or people pay too much on like the fifa ultimate team stuff yeah and i feel like that is almost like nfts in a way but the difference is is you know everybody can own that one player beside you owning that one player yeah. And with that, I just feel like it inevitably would end up going into something like, and my example would be Fortnite here, where mm -hmm. let's say you have an, you buy this NFT for a skin for Fortnite and only you have this skin. Yeah. So, but, and what would be stupid about it is you have this skin and, you know, People and in shooting games, people only see you for a total of 30 seconds most of the time before a firefight ends and you're either dead or the team is dead. And like nobody cares about your skin at that point. But if you tell someone who. Of uh, like plays thousands of hours of Fortnite that says, hey, you could have this one of one skin that no one else has. People are going to buy that yeah. because, 
you know, it's it's something that's personal to them and shows their dedication to the franchise. And I guess that's all right. Mm-hmm. But it's also kind of really scummy in a way because <laughs> we don't we're already really bad with the whole, you know, pay, pay for games as a service thing. The gotcha mechanics, the skins, the loot boxes and everything like that. We're already bad with that. And I feel like NFTs would just be adding more of like a bad thing onto it. Yeah. And I mean, I think NFTs, like if you're talking about like a one of one skin, I think that would be something that a lot of streamers would be interested in, right? Because everybody's watching and you're like, oh man, look at this. And like, I can think of back in the day on when PUBG was in its prime, um, just thinking of like Shroud and Dr. Disrespect, they had their own uh skins and i think i don't know if you could buy them or not i don't think you could i think it was just specific to them um so i'm okay with that i get that um i'm trying to think in my mind while you're saying that i'm trying to think of a game that i would be like willing to pay money to be in say if like the only one i can think of right now is like take final fantasy 7 right the remake if they were like hey for a hundred dollars you can be an npc in the game i might consider that just to yeah. be like, that'd be cool, you know, because you're for, or, you're forever cemented in it. Right. At that point. Right. Or, you know, in all honesty, how much would you be willing to pay to be an NPC in a Kingdom Hearts game? Like, what's your limit? And, uh, you know, that's kind of rough. That's a rough question for me. I feel right. like I'm about the same, like one hundred dollars. OK, so and if they came out and they were like, if they were like, all right, you can be a character, uh, a non-playable character in Kingdom Hearts four for five hundred dollars. Are you paying that? Oh, 500. I, yeah. I, I don't know. What am I doing? That's going to be the thing. Do I have <laughs> sure. voice lines in that case? Like maybe probably if I had, not. <laughs> yeah. Like if I was just like a background character, like walking in the street, I'd probably say no. OK, but like that's that's just because I don't like for me, the enjoyment is playing the game, not so much saying, you know, hey, that's me in it. Right. Kind of thing. Uh, but, you know, m- maybe times if times change, maybe I decide to. <laughs> to say yes to that as of I, right yeah. now i don't much see it i think a hundred dollars would be like my limit to be an npc in a game um i wouldn't see myself wanting to pay any more than that uh unless it was like all right for a thousand dollars we'll put you in the next kingdom hearts and we'll give you uh 10 lines of dialogue that you can record like that yeah you'd be like okay maybe because then yeah, i'm in yeah. a video game but yeah i i don't see myself really falling for the nft trap anytime soon yeah me neither it's too much i already <laughs> spent too much money on heirlooms so yep. i don't want to spend more money on nfts <laughs> next up for me and it's my last two is final fantasy 14 is uh, is suspending sales of their games uh queue times are outrageous right now for their games people are waiting almost two hours to play their games and how and if you've never played an MMO, kind of how this works is you're all on like a kind of like a shared server where the server can only have so many people on at once in the same, you know, 12 different worlds and that kind of thing. The, with Endwalker, the new DLC that came out for Final Fantasy XIV coming out, you have a bunch of new players trying to get in and play play the game and get to the DLC stuff. And you have a, a millions of returning players who now are trying to get into it. So it's now been clogged up so much that people, they won't let you buy a new, they won't let you buy Final Fantasy XIV just in general because you would be adding to that queue time. 
And, you know, for the most part, I, I personally believe that they should probably just reward the people that are paying monthly for their game and letting them have priority to play because they know they have that um, kind of thing to it. Because, you know, for me, I have Final Fantasy XIV, but I just have the free, the free trial version where I can play the entire base game for free. And if, like, those people who are playing that game, it's not their fault, but I think, like, Square Enix, like, should probably give the people who've been paying monthly, like, the priority that they deserve because they've gone through all the dlc they've gone and played through the game they know they're going to continue to get payments from them where yeah letting new people play the game you could potentially get more money and letting them get in but i'm more of like stick to the loyalty of your fan base and uh maybe that might solve their queuing issue right now yeah i would agree that's probably the better way to do it um that's crazy that they're having that much of a problem i just consistently underestimate how popular that game is because i don't play it but man that thing is wildly popular yeah and i can't remember if it won best community or not uh, at the game awards but it really should have like when i was yeah. playing the community was fantastic i never had an issue with them my last story is after days after the ign uh report about uh kind of the atmosphere at bungie games came out Bungie head of HR, and I'm really sorry if I butcher this person's name, Gail DeHoint is what I'm going to say, steps down after the kind of rumors of harassment and leaks have now come out about the studio. We get a, you know, now we're getting more and more stories about game like developers and kind of their weird and unacceptable atmospheres to how they run games. And it just goes to show that, yeah, you know, Activision like while everything was bad about Activision Blizzard, you know, there are a lot of other studios going through it. And even something as big as Bungie is now having that issue with harassment. And, you know, it's, it'll be a long process to kind of get all this out, but they need, you know, it's going to get worse before it gets better. In a lot of these cases, it's how a lot of things end up starting is worse. Yeah. And I can appreciate that they're taking action for it um whether it was a willing step down or kind of a force um at least they recognize that change needs to happen to take care of it yeah all right are we ready to get into games this week yes let's do it now now i know you played uh the gunk i i didn't get to play i didn't get to play it yet but i plan on playing it by next week so Mm -hmm. for me i've just been all about the great catch-up here yeah uh you know, I don't have much news about new games. I've been primarily playing, you know, Halo Infinite, Call of Duty Vanguard, AoE 4, a little bit more of Inscription, you know, just kind of catching up on games. But other than Gun- other than I think The Gunk is what it's called. Is yeah, it's it called is. The Gunk. Yep. What else have you played? So I was on a mission this week to finish games. So uh, I'm done with Halo Infinite. I'm done with Inscription. And I did beat The Gunk. So oh, all okay. three, so it's all three are marked off the list. We got them. There you go. Crazy. <laughs> right. Uh, go ahead and start whichever one okay. you want to. Um, Let's do let's do Halo. Since yeah. Um, did you finish Halo or not? No, I'm getting close, okay. though. OK. Um, I would say in all honesty, all three of these games I played this week have caused me to shake up my what I thought was pretty solid top 10 for the year. Um, I think all three of these games are great. I think Halo Infinite struggles a little bit in the beginning story-wise with throwing so much at you 
And even as somebody who's played, I think every Halo game, like I played Halo Wars one and two and everything else, like, like we had said before, like this story is hard to follow. Um, there's so much going on. There's so much information they're throwing at you. Um, I was didn't really pay attention to any of the audio logs I picked up. I don't know if you are. I just kind of play them in the background. No, I I I I, I kind of play them, and inherently yeah. I pay a little bit of attention. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, but it's a lot, and I think it does a great job when you get to the end uh, of really tying it all together and making it make sense um, to set up. I think they said they wanted to do another trilogy here at least. So, yeah, yeah I mean, they're setting it up for sure. Um, I was super skeptical about the open world, but now that I've beat it, I can't imagine not doing a Halo game as open world. I just think it works very, very well. Um, the ability, I mean, it's like, it's not anything new. Far Cry's doing it. Uh, Breath of the Wild did it. Uh, but it's just being able to go anywhere, do whatever you want. There the side quests weren't an overabundance. I ended up doing all of the stuff that was on the map and it didn't seem like overwhelming. I know yeah. Ubisoft has a problem with that with their open world games, but I think Bungie did, I'm not Bungie, you know, 347 did a good job of really condensing it to not overstay its welcome. I think I ended up with like 10 to 12 hours to beat the game and do all the side stuff. So it's not terrible. Uh, it looks good. I think it plays fantastic. It feels great. Um, I just think this is a solid, solid game that I, again, I have to go through my list, but I feel like this will probably end up in my top 10 somewhere for the year. Yeah. Like what, what Halo, like Halo's open world doesn't do anything new. And I, yeah. to be honest, I don't want to commend it for that mm -hmm. because it, it is borrowing traits from other open world games that we've had, we have seen before, but what I can commend it on in the open world aspect is that it's fun to go through these things. Um, you know, one of the things I hate about kind of the open world aspect that Ubisoft does is you can see the same exact enemy, but it can be like a higher level. So now it's a bullet sponge or it's a hit sponge or it does, or it takes forever to kill in halo. There are specific like units that take more damage and can take. Um, it's almost like a tell. You know, when you see a grunt, you know, you can finish it in one shot with the mangler. But yeah. if you're facing, a, you know, a brute elite, you know, it's going to take a lot more throwing grenades and getting around and with it, especially when he has a heavy weapon in order to take him down. And I really can't stress enough how much like more fun that is for me and how much more of a tell it is for me for, you know, enemies that you're shooting in Halo. To kind of be like, okay, now now I know how to adjust myself to each encounter I'm in. And I've I really can commend it for that. Like that needs to be done more yeah. in, in open world games. Cause I cannot stand the same two of the same looking enemies, one at level one and one at level a hundred, where the level a hundred dude takes three hours to kill just because he's a level one hundred, that kind yeah. of thing. So yeah. I've you know it's, Halo really does a lot well with with the open world and like specifically that is what I can commend it on. Yeah, I mean, I would say, too, and it's a problem every open world game has is when you do all the side quests. And in this case, you're getting all the uh, I forget what they call them. FOBs. Is that right? Yeah. Forward operating base. Yeah, yeah. FOBs. You get to a certain point where, you know, you've unlocked 
a bunch of vehicles. You've unlocked all these uh, special versions of the guns, and you're just so overpowered that it's just not a challenge anymore. And it happens with Halo. When I started getting towards the end and you start unlocking these FOBs, you get the, uh, I think it's the Wasp, which is just like the, it's almost like an airplane, basically. Um, yeah. And then I, once I got that, like every side mission I did, every high value target I went to kill, I didn't even get out of that. I just flew around and shot them till they died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that's every open world game. You get to a certain point with your unlocks and it's just not fair anymore. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the only other thing I would knock against it is the grapple hook is so good. I didn't use any of the other special abilities because you get yeah. I think, like four or five. Yeah, I didn't even I used them like one time. I don't think I used the shield at all. Um, and it's just because using the grapple felt so good and you move so fast with it that you don't need to put down a shield or, um, you know, any of the other things. It's just I think they needed to balance it out maybe a little bit or make the other ones more useful to use. Yeah. Uh, and you talking about that, you know, reminds me as well. Like I just prefer the grappling hook so much more to everything else. Like yep. the, the drop sensor, like it's good for this one thing yeah. where, you know, you're in a, <laughs> where you're in a boss fight in the, and, and the enemy's camouflaged. It's good for literally one thing. Yep. The shield, you know, if you're out in the open shore, it helps. But then you just use the grappling hook and you get behind cover instead of having to find a shield that will eventually leave or eventually yep. dissipate. So maybe what they need to do next time is make those equipment type upgrades a little bit more useful to mm -hmm. the player. Like a lot of the times when you use like a sensor thing, maybe if an enemy gets scanned, they take 50% more damage like that kind of thing, like make it worth it Yeah. to uh, to people to use those things but yeah I, I have to agree the grappling hook once you upgrade it is nuts you're you're kind <laughs> yeah. of a pseudo spider-man in a way mm -hmm. where you're just kind of flying around the map i, I do wish like there was and it's I, I wish it was more like a titanfall 2 zit like grappling hook where your momentum can like really carry you across the map like i just can't imagine how much fun it would be to grapple onto a tree you know get some momentum going and just shooting myself across the map that would be fun i I would, yeah. I would have enjoyed that had they allowed it yeah but overall i would say them taking the extra time to make sure the game was not flawless but better than i think the position it was in when it was supposed to come out was a good thing and we ended up with a pretty good project here finished for the most part yeah it, it we ended it, we ended up being patient and it ended up being worth it you mm -hmm. know and a lot of times it's what gaming is now, and especially like it's with Dying Light 2 and all the delays that it has suffered. Hopefully that patience turns out to be worth it for the people that are fans of that game. And for Halo, we did we did get to see that um, the patience was rewarded with a pretty with a pretty good Halo. Yeah, with, I without agree. Question. For me, as I mentioned, I'm kind of playing the great catch up where. <laughs> Uh, I'm just trying to play games that I, I know I need to beat and everything like that. Um, I put I sunk more time into Call of Duty Vanguard. I know like it's not winning any awards, right? But the multiplayer and I think and I've said it before, the multiplayer is like classic COD and that's what I missed. Uh, I do enjoy running around with an M1 gr uh, Grand and just playing multiplayer with some friends like they're. Mm -hmm. Those games never require much out of me, and that's what I like to like, kind of turn my brain off. Where 
uh cold war never cold war felt different and i'm not sure what they did to make it feel so different but it's kind of like uh vanguard feels more like comfort food i just i do wish that the battle pass wasn't such a prevalent thing that you needed to have in order to make yourself stand out like the whole MVP thing where you get to vote and everything like that. It's usually three people with the same skin and the same finishing move <laughs> Yeah. where a part of me just wishes they would have just stuck to final kill or play of the game and then went through it. But you know, all you end up seeing is the same three character models in the game, doing the same thing to each other. And yep. the only way you're really going to get out of that is if you get the battle pass, which as of the moment doesn't really give you anything for Vanguard. So yeah. It's it's stuck in a cycle where I think, you know, the Call of Duty franchise is putting so much so much of their time into Warzone that the multiplayer ends up getting a bit um, left behind. Yeah, I agree. And I think like they're on to the this would be the second battle pass, but season one for Vanguard. Uh, I think I'm about like halfway through it. There is a decent amount of stuff now in there for Vanguard. You get like different banners for your kill cam. Um and again, like the MVP voting, that's all so they can make more money on. Yeah, you can look different, but you're going to have to pay for it. Yeah, um, that's what they're doing. Uh, there's a couple new characters that are in the battle pass. Um, so, I mean, that's obviously what they're going for. But again, I it's my go to like this week. I was finishing these games and I'd be like, all right, I'm gonna go play Call of Duty for like an hour just to not really have to think about anything. And it just feels good. Um, I think. Originally, I was like, yeah, it's still probably end up in my top 10, but I think there's too many other games that deserve it more than, in all honesty, this is a copy-paste Call of Duty. Yeah. It just yeah. feels better. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, all right, so I did finish Inscription. How far are you? I am uh, almost to Act 3. I'm getting okay. I'm pretty, okay. pretty far into Act 2. So I think what I want to do, because this is another one that might find its way onto my top 10, uh, might it probably will um i think i'll save you know spoiler spoilers until we get to game of the year discussion then we can really get into it um but yeah they do a lot when you get later into the game a lot of cool things to mess with you and uh, i thought the story was cool um it's very creepy but i enjoyed what they did the way they mess with you is fantastic it's a lot of stuff that reminded me of like we've talked about how metal gear solid back in the day messed with you a lot yeah. along those lines of them doing that kind of stuff to you, which is super cool. Um, so this game, again, I think I think it, it lives up to the hype that I had heard before I started playing it because I had never heard of it until I heard numerous people saying it was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it's great. Uh, super great game. I don't want to ruin anything here since you're still playing it and other people might be. So again, when we get to Game of the Year, I'll go into more of what I thought was amazing about it. But this is a definite must play for me. Yeah, and other than that, for me, you know, uh, Age of Empires Four is still the same old Age of Empires Four for me. Uh, I've been, and may, maybe you can answer this question as well. But I was thinking about, you know, my favorite game that I've played and gotten through that wasn't released this year. Okay. Uh, and I think for me, like I've, and it's only because it works so much better now on like the Xbox app. But while I was visiting my parents this weekend, I was able to get through more of Near Automata mm-hmm. of, and play that from Game Pass. And th- I'm slowly finding that that and I'm not going to count Horizon because I've like restarted Horizon 17 times <laughs> and yep. Near, 
I uh, I'm really enjoying like that game. That is, I think, my favorite game that I did not play uh, from yeah. last year from from two years ago now almost. So yeah, I'm, it's a great game. Yes. Do you have like a favorite game at all that you played Oof. that wasn't released this year? I'm trying to think of games that I've played that aren't new this year. I mean, I, I went back and started playing through Judgment um, until yeah. Halo and all these other games came out, and that game still holds up very well. So off the top of my head, that's probably the best pick. Um, yeah, because I can't really remember what else I played this year that didn't come out this year. No, like yeah, we just, we just get stuck in like trying to finish everything that comes out in a year. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And I had a feeling like had I had I been able to do like the cloud gaming on PlayStation, like I might be saying like Red Dead Redemption 2 because yeah. I, I still haven't started that. So that's going to be something I start next year. And I'm not going to count Bioshock because I played and beat Bioshock when it came out. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's true different. things. Yeah. For you I mean, we're headed to. I can't say the downtime because February is going to be crazy busy, but maybe January we can knock out a lot of these older games. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully <laughs> February, February looks like health. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be bad. I, I do not look forward to February one bit. Like I look forward in the sense that we're going to be getting a lot of it games, but mm-hmm. we have a, fr- from here on out, we have a good three weeks before Pokemon RCS comes out. And yep. then the floodgates open in February. Like, yep. Pokemon Arceus feels like a little leak in the dam of gaming (laughs) that once all of the other games come out, that dam just breaks. Yeah, I I don't know if it's just me, but the more I see of that of the Pokemon game, the less excited I get. And I don't know why (laughs) I'm I'm excited for it. I I definitely am. So I I will keep the excitement for both. All right, cool, cool. It's it's something new and that's something Pokemon hasn't really tried. That's fair. Uh, all right, so the last last one I played this week was The Gunk. Um, came out just this week, I think Wednesday, on Game Pass, I believe. Um, I don't know if it's on PC or not. I, it probably is. Uh, I remember them talking about this. I want to say they announced it like last year. Does that sound right? I remember yeah, seeing um, a trailer. Yeah, we saw trailers for it last year. Yep. Yeah. And when I saw it was coming up on Game Pass this week, I downloaded it, but I have to admit, I didn't remember anything about it. Uh, so I was like, all right, well, I remember them hyping it up, so I'll at least give it a shot. I mean, I download literally everything from Game Pass and just at least start it. Um, so I didn't know anything about it. When you start it up, you get a heavy influence of like, you know, you're going to different areas and cleaning it up with this gunk. You're vacuuming it up kind of like Slime Rancher. Uh, and then it seemed like it was going to be a heavy emphasis on resource collecting, which I'm not a fan of at all. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But I stuck with it after like the first couple of areas. And I know I've said before that, like I have a huge soft spot for beyond good and evil. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I get a lot of those vibes with this game. And what it really is, is a platformer um, and you're collecting resources, but just to upgrade your gear uh, and it's not heavy. Uh, it's very, very light. So at its heart, it is just a old school action platformer. Um, the story, I think, was pretty cool. Again, the characters just look like they're taken from Beyond Good and Evil. Uh, so that's probably what drew me in the most. But this game, out of a lot of the games this year, like I think Inscription's probably the only other one, caught me off guard on how much I enjoyed it. Uh, it probably took me eight or nine hours to beat it but I got through it in like two days. 
uh, oh, okay. which do it doesn't happen very often for me to get sucked into a game like that. But I had a ton of fun. This will probably end up on my top 10 somewhere. <laughs> again, it, like all these games are shaking up. I thought I had my order locked in and I was ready to go. I didn't. So now I got to rethink everything. Um, and, you know, just a, a shout out to it's called the Thunderful Group is the people that made this it's a small group. Oh. And they did a very, very good job. I don't know if it's going to end up on other people's lists. Maybe it goes under the radar because it came out so late. But I cannot highly like I can't recommend this game enough to everybody. It's a lot of fun. You can get through it in a weekend. And I don't know. I just thought it was fantastic. Yeah, uh, that's good, though. I, I'm excited yeah. to try it now. Mm -hmm. And you say it's would it would you say it reminds you of Super Mario Sunshine in a way? You know, you're cleaning up areas. Yeah. And uh, and platforming a little bit. Yep. I, I think that's probably the best comparison, honestly. Um, yeah. I mean, I didn't even think about that until you said that, but Super Mario Sunshine is probably very, very close. Cool. And I enjoyed that one, so I'm excited mm -hmm. to play it. So we're going to get on to movies. And yeah. uh, heads, heads up here for, for both of us. Uh, I'm on a, I went on a Spider-Man binge, uh, and I finally <laughs> watched Venom Let There Be Carnage. That finally okay. came out, of course, on this. So I'll talk about that. Uh, I'm going to say it probably about 15, 50 times. Yeah, 50 times. Okay. Uh, both Craig and I have watched Spider-Man No Way Home. Mm-hmm. In the B, when we start talking about Spider-Man, Craig and I are going to give opinions and without spoilers. And yep. then if you want the spoiler cast, which Craig and I do want to do, uh, yep. you're going to hear the outro for this podcast. And then we're going straight into the spoilers. I do not want anybody accidentally coming into the spoilers. If you just listen to the podcast and you hear the outro, leave. Like, yep. uh, I'm never going to tell people <laughs> to leave, but. This movie is less than a week, a week old. I know people won't see it because of certain circumstances in life or circumstances in, you know, going to the movie theaters. So I don't want this to be spoiled from our end. I will do everything I can to make sure that people know that they're um, when we start talking about No Way Home and when we get to the spoiler casts, I'm going to say it 15 times. But <laughs> those are the two movies I watched. What did you end up watching this week? Um, so obviously I have Spider-Man written down. Um, the only other thing I watched is I started and got caught up on the series Yellow Jackets, which is on Showtime, I believe. Um, but mm -hmm. that's what I've gotten into this week. And we'll have we'll have stuff for the I'm going to have stuff for the Witcher next week because that yeah. that new season just dropped the other day. So. And also after this week, when Hawkeye finishes up, we can have a gigantic discussion about that as well. Yeah, I would. I agree with that as well. So I'll talk first about Let There Be Carnage because it is yes. the oldest movie um, out of all of it. And I know you I think you liked it overall, didn't you, Craig? Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think overall I really do enjoy like this Venom movie. Mm -hmm. And I think the main reason and the surprising reason I like it so much is the chemistry between Eddie Brock and Venom. It's fantastic. Yep. Like they are just so much fun to watch them like interact and we've never really seen this type of, you know, thing from Venom where he's kind of this funny guy and they crack jokes and Venom's emotional for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe it's because he's taking on the personality of Eddie Brock's character in a way. Uh, but, you know, I feel like that primarily is the standout for the entire movie. Like Eddie and Venom are the best things about this movie where Carnage, yes, his... Like his opening scene when you get to see him is really cool. Like he is this menacing evil thing, 
but you don't get much beyond that. Like you get a lot more about, you know, um, the character behind Carnage. And I'm trying to remember his name. Isn't uh, Yeah, I'm blanking too. <laughs> I know it's played by Woody Harrelson. Correct. Um, but, oh, it's something mm. with a C. <laughs> Cl- yeah. uh, C- C- Cletus Cassidy? Yeah. Oh, I'm Cle- close. Cle- Cletus Cassidy. Oh, man. I'm there so close. <laughs> but um, you learn more about Cletus's character more so than, like, the Carnage character itself. Right. And, you know, for what it's worth, like, I know Carnage is kind of like this really violent, bloody villain that's, you know, that from the Spider-Man series. And... I would have liked to have seen more as to why. And even like Venom in the middle of their fight goes, oh, that's a red one. That's bad. We're going to die. No (laughs) one understands what that means. Like, I don't understand what he means when he says like when he says that. And it would have been nice to kind of know more about what the color of the symbiote means or why Venom was so afraid of Carnage beforehand, which, you know, that's. And that's what left so many questions and why probably why the movie got kind of a a medium response from critics. But uh, overall, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, like I'm I was watching it for Eddie Brock and Venom and I was very entertained with their chemistry where the final battle was cool and it wasn't too bad. But there were definitely questions. I, you know, I definitely had more questions than answers for a lot of the movie. Yeah, I, I think they're headed in the right direction. I think it's better than the first Venom movie. Yeah, I think so too. Um, but they owe Carnage to have more detail into him. Um, and again, I stick to my statement that this should have been an R-rated Venom movie if you're bringing in Carnage. He's too violent yeah. and too crazy not to be R-rated, but I get it. It's Marvel, and they want to be able to appeal to more people, so PG-13 makes sense. Um, and and I do have a couple interesting takes, but we need to get done with No Way Home before yeah. <laughs> I get into maybe the takes about Venom. Yeah, but, that's fair. But overall, ahead, I think jackets. yeah. Overall, I think Venom. Uh, it's it's good. It's yeah. definitely worth a watch. Uh, yeah, Yellow Jackets. Um, I had heard about it before it came out, and then I totally forgot because it's on Showtime, and I feel like Showtime just gets forgotten by everybody that channel. Um, just like Dexter. But uh, Yellow Jackets has to do with uh, a girls soccer team, high school soccer team that are going to nationals or states. And it's nationals, I believe. And their plane goes down uh, in the middle of the wilderness. And it's basically dealing with they come back, but you don't know what happened while they were stranded there. Uh, And you get. They do a they show the girls grown up. And then they'll flash back to when they were in high school and they're kind of piecing it together. We're five episodes in, I believe. And I still don't know what happened while they were there fully. I'm starting to get some of it now, Um, but something crazy happened. There was cannibalism somewhere. Uh, There's a lot going on. There's some sort of supernatural force there. Uh, And then there's a lot going on with them now uh, trying to, they don't want anybody to know what happened while they were there before they got rescued. Obviously some of the girls made it. Some of them didn't, Uh, but it's a very interesting show. My only nitpick with it is it's very hard for me at first to figure out which of the older versions of the characters, which one they are when they're younger. Uh, they do a lot of where like they'll show them where they're older, then they'll flash back and show the same person when they're younger to try to help you. 
Um, but I had a hard time the first like two episodes being like, all right, which one is she grown up? I tying that all together was tough, but I think it's a very, very good show. Um, it's very weird. It's a very slow burn. Like I said, five episodes in, and I still don't know what's going on yet. Uh, but it's entertaining enough that it, I want to know what's going to happen and I'm going to see it through to the end. So again, I don't know how many people have Showtime. Um, I always forget that I do. So <laughs> that helps to watch it. But I think it's if you're into like the weird um, kind of can be brutally violent at times, um, it's 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 a pretty cool show. It's entertaining. So I would say check it out. Dexter, between Dexter and Yellow Jackets, I think Showtime's actually doing pretty good right now. So good on them, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had the uh, Showtime for Dexter because I, I really miss watching that. But I, yeah. you know, I don't have it. So. <laughs> yeah makes it hard yeah I have to deal with what i have there so all right here we go spider-man um spider-man no way home and again yep. i'm going to say it uh and i'm gonna and here you know what we're gonna do a five second five second no talking so that no. way the outro can play yeah i mean we can do the non-spoiler version first you're right sorry yep. non-spoiler version yep. first overall uh, impressions it's amazing yes uh this is a near perfect movie um, mm -hmm. and that's, and I'm not saying it as it's a near perfect Marvel movie. It's a near perfect movie. Mm -hmm. Um, you get a lot from, of course, watching, um, all of the Marvel movies, especially if you've grown up with them and, uh, it's, it is just, uh, it, it's just amazing. It's, you know, it's befitting of the original Spider-Man's title, the amazing Spider-Man that used to, you know, play and everything like that. But I, I've it's hard to talk more about it uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. without going into spoilers here, but Tom Holland has another excellent performance. Um, and I do like that. I feel like this one focuses on Tom Holland more than any of them like ever. And Zendaya's character, Mary Jane isn't bad by any means and neither is Ned's character, but I really like when they focus on Peter Parker and Tom Holland does an excellent job and steps, steps up into his role there. And all you'd think that with all of these villains, and that's not a spoiler, we've seen the right. villains yep. um, would get crowded too much, but they really pace it in an excellent way where the villains really don't feel like they're overcrowding the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, I still think personal opinion. I think Endgame is the best Marvel movie that we've seen, but I almost, I'm still trying to figure that out, but I think I might put this at number two right underneath okay. end game. Um, I just don't think it'll, you'll ever top seeing end game in a theater for me. I think that it was like the ultimate theater experience in my lifetime so far. Uh, but yeah, Tom Holland killed it. Um, it's always crazy when you have a long movie like this, like two and a half hours. And it seems like yep. it was like 30 minutes. It's wild. Cause it, it wasn't rushed, but like it just moves, you get going and it goes. Um, yeah, I fantastic performance by Tom Holland. I enjoyed Ned, um, and MJ. I think they did a fantastic job. All the villains work well. Um, what else can I say without spoiling it? Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't want to spoil anything yet. So I would just say it is a fantastic movie, almost a plus. All right, so with that, 
of, you know, if you enjoyed the podcast, please make sure to share it with other people. And if you're interested in getting a hold or interacting with the podcast in any way, Craig and I are on social media where, you know, we have Twitter, we have Facebook and Instagram. We also have a Twitch channel, which will be revived at some point in 2022. Uh, just with everything going on with Game of the Year and the holidays, it's really been hard to make a schedule with streaming. So I do plan on going back to that. I did enjoy it. And if you're interested in emailing us, we do have an email at high sensitivity podcast at gmail.com where you can ask us questions or really anything in general about gaming. We don't mind. But with that, uh, we're going to end the podcast here with the spoiler free discussion of No Way Home. Uh, after the outro plays, we will then go into spoilers. So uh, we look forward to either seeing you there or you coming back once you watch the movie. See you later. Oh, and happy holidays. Now I think about yes. it, it will be uh, <laughs> if, if this will come out and it will Christmas will be the time by the next one we record. Yeah. So Hope ha- you get ha- all the all the games you want. It was it was a good year to get games for cheap. So I, yeah. I would agree with that. But yeah, we'll see you guys next time. All right. Uh, thanks for coming back and joining us here. Craig and I just sat here five seconds of silence staring at each other. Uh, <laughs> yep. Trying, uh, trying not to just say anything and scream and yell about Spider-Man from the heavens. <laughs> but from this point on, it is, uh, it's a war zone. Uh, yeah. We are going to be discussing any and everything about uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. This is your last warning. If you're accidentally here and you do not want to know about spoilers, please Get out. Do, <laughs> do. And not only because we don't want you to, but do yourself the favor. If you plan on seeing this movie, try to see it knowing as least as as little no uh, as little as you can yeah. because it will make your experience like that much more enjoyable that's how i felt leaving it on thursday agreed uh, opening night yeah i knew the only thing i had seen was like the two major trailers and that was it yeah, um so going in going in blind made it so much better uh yeah no that's exactly how i felt and it's <laughs> like it's kind of the same with endgame as well yeah uh don't spoil the movie if you've seen it don't comment on YouTube on random videos with spoilers about Spider-Man. I think that's pretty mean to yep. do to people. Uh, and here we go. Spoilers. Uh, spoilers. Where do we start? Really, <laughs> I guess. I is... think. I mean, I don't feel like I need to give like a, a play by play of the movie, but I think I think the best place to start would be what everybody saw coming. Right. The other Spider-Man. Yeah, the the other Spider-Man. And we all knew it was coming, but we weren't 100% sure. Yeah, they they do such a good job of like not like yeah. of keeping this under wraps cuz yep. like there was no, you know, I never saw pictures of Toby Maguire and Mm-mm. Andrew Garfield leaving the set of Spider-Man. But I can't say how excellently they did that. Yep. Like, you know, we we all theorized that this was going to happen and I'm glad it did. But how it came up so naturally is uh, is because of the writers. Yep. The the writers scripted this in such a way where, like, you kind of wonder when they were going to be coming in. Like, yep. you, you're you're wondering, you're wondering, and then Ned finally goes, "Show me Peter Parker," I think, or they said, yeah. "Show me Spider Man," yep. and he opens up that circle, and like for a moment there, I was like, okay, like. He's in an alleyway for whatever reason. That would make sense. 
But mm-hmm. as he starts running closer, you start to realize, oh, my God, yep. they did it. Yep. <laughs> and I I like for me, I'm just so impressed how it didn't feel forced. Like, yeah. you could have just thrown these two in for early fan engagement and fan critics, you know, and fans would have popped off. But they did it in such a perfect way that um, bought both of them into the movie at an excellent time in the movie. And like for me, my theater went insane. Uh, it yeah. was it was it was a lot of fun to see. Yeah, I mean, my theater wasn't that full. There was probably like maybe 20 people in there. Um but yeah, the way they brought it in worked so well. I was just assuming the whole time, like, oh, they're going to have a big fight scene at the end with all the villains and the other Spider-Men are going to help him at the last second or something, you know? Um, I just expected them to get, like, 10 minutes of screen time and that was it. So the fact that they got, what, a good 30, 40 minutes of screen time, probably? Yeah. Um, I th- And they deserve it. I The first Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire was, like, what really pulled me into Marvel movies. I have a uh, an uncle who is obsessed with Spider-Man. He always has been. So like yeah. every Christmas when I was little, he would either get me like, I remember he bought me the movies. Uh, he would buy me like the Spider-Man games on PlayStation 2 every year. He was just, he, he was obsessed. I, I don't know if he still does, but he has, he did have statues of Spider-Man in his work office. Um, okay. So, I mean, seeing Tobey Maguire walk in, like that brought a tear to my eye because that was like, that was the beginning of my love for Marvel was yeah. Tobey Maguire. And I know those movies haven't aged well. They really haven't. But seeing him in there and being able to do it again was fantastic. And I don't mind Andrew Garfield either. I didn't mind those movies. So I'm glad they all got to come in. Uh, the only thing I was missing was the Spider-Man pointing at each other. They didn't do that. Yeah, um, that would have been really funny. Yeah, <laughs> right. I really would have enjoyed that. Uh, I think the highlight of the movie for me was their pep talk with each other before the final fight. I thought that was fantastic yeah. uh, when they're kind of like talking each other up and, you know, uh, Toby was talking up Andrew Garfield and be like, no, you are amazing. And all that. Like, I just think that worked so well. Um, them making fun of uh, Toby McGuire's uh, webs coming out of his hands was yep. cool. <laughs> There's just so much. And I think they handled it perfectly. They could have messed it up. Like you said, they could have made it, really cheesy but they didn't and i man it was better than i thought it could be honestly yeah no it it, it blew my expectations out of the water mm-hmm. and like we're talking about cameos like that daredevil cameo caught me yep. so off guard yep um and like a part of me was like oh wait is daredevil going to be the one that comes helps him in the end because like mm-hmm. you know he's in the area and that kind of thing but like he I love it when he grabbed that brick and just went and they're like, how did you do that? And they go, he goes, I'm a really good lawyer. And I'm like, yep. I like that was like, it's it's just a fun little like that was a fun sprinkled cameo in there. They didn't have to do, but they did yep. um, just to have him in there. And, you know, you, you said it. You said it the best. You know, there are so many Easter eggs oh, to. Yeah to the previous Spider-Man films. And like, I was talking to my friends who have seen this. This feels like a celebration of Spider-Man more so Mm -hmm. than just the third installment in Tom Holland's uh, movie career where, you know, if I know they, all three of them after their pep talk of getting beat up for a little bit, like they lose, they all start swinging simultaneously and they all do their iconic like poses as (laughs) Spider-Man. And like, you get chills running down your spine. Cause like, and, 
and you said it too, like Toby is Toby for me at such a young and impressionable age is my Spider-Man, no matter what anybody says. Yep. And he, he just comes right back into that role. And, you know, they, they each kind of have their place where like Toby's first thing is like, Hey, where's Tom? Because he probably needs help. Like he's probably really down in the dumps and that kind of thing. And that's how I think Toby Maguire Spider-Man would have handled that whole situation. And they they just did so many callbacks and I think and you might have a favorite, but, you know, my, my favorite callback of all was when Tom Holland looks like he's about to kill the Green Goblin with his own um, yep. jet with with his own jet glider with the three uh, the three spikes in it. Like had he done that, that would have been like it would have been like terrible for his character development. But the fact that they thought about it, the fact that mm-hmm. like every single little Easter egg we could have gotten, we got in that. And of like that, that movie blew my expectations out of the water. Um, yeah. I knew it was going to be good. I didn't think that good. Yeah. Um, I mean, they obviously were setting up for Dr. Strange's movie. Um, you know, you get to the end end, end of the credits and you get literally a trailer for yeah. the Doctor Strange movie. Um, I think if you're thinking about the end of that movie when he's trying to close the dimensions, um, I could have, I could be wrong. I'm going to need it to come out on 4K so I can pause it. But yeah. those like silhouettes of people trying to come through, that one distinctly that stood out to me looked like Juggernaut from X-Men. Um, and, and maybe not. Maybe I'm totally wrong because you're in a theater and, I need to be able to pause it to look, but I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a ton of Easter eggs in that scene alone where you could go through all those silhouettes and be like, Oh, well that's this person. That's this person. Um, you know, with, uh, Jamie Foxx's character, Electro, uh, when he's talking to Spider-Man and he said, Oh, I thought you'd be black. Obviously we have miles Morales hanging around somewhere, um, in another dimension. And I know they've Tom Holland specifically has said this week, that he wants to take time off from acting. Uh, he wants to yeah. start a family. And if this is how they wrap him up as Spider-Man, I think it's fitting. Um, I personally would love to see them go the Miles Morales direction or Gwen, um, you know, give me a female yeah, I Spider-Man. Agree. Yeah. yeah, like give me those, that's fine. Or bring Tom Holland back, I don't care. Uh, but if this is it for him, I don't think we need to do any more to wrap up his story. I think it ended well. I mean, obviously they left it open-ended because you can look at it as like he had the option to go back and talk to MJ, but he decided to let them go. And obviously he could go back later or this could be them being like, yeah, he's, he's done. He's going to let them live their life and he's going to go do his thing. Um, It'd be a little sad to see Tom Holland gone already. But if you think about it, he's already been in what, four or five movies at this point. Yeah. He's been, yeah, he's done a lot of Marvel. Yeah, sure. So we could move on from him. Yeah, I I do think that, you know, we had heard reports early that Sony and Marvel weren't coming to agreements for a deal for a new Spider-Man like kind of system there. And then afterwards, like I I have a feeling the movie was already in post-production at that point. Then we find out that they made a deal so that they would continue to joint make Spider-Man movies. And I feel like the way they ended it was kind of safe because they didn't know what yeah. Spider-Man was going to be in the future. And I, I did want to ask, what are your feelings on the ending there? 
Um, cause I, I feel like I, I hear a lot of people are mixed about yeah. like Tom, not doing that, not like going back to his friends and telling them. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you said it perfectly. It's a safe ending that they can go either way. So if they can't convince Tom to come back, if he's wants to be done, then you have it set up to go a different way with a different Spider-Man. Um, but if he does want to come back, you can still do that too. So uh, yeah, it was totally safe. Yeah. And you know, from, and I kind of saw it in a really artistic way too, where, you know, Spider-Man in both Toby and Andrew Garfield's always struggled with keeping their identities a secret, but there never was an easy, like it never made sense for them to be able to retcon his existence in a way where, because this is a, a big part of like a universal Marvel series, like it is such a grand moment for me personally that, you know, they were able to rewrite history and like nobody knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man anymore because Dr. Strange is able to do that spell. And that fills plot holes in a way. It, yeah, uh, it does. Like it and no other Spider-Man has been able to do that. So we can get other Spider-Man movies with Tom Holland, but maybe his like interest is Gwen Stacy instead or mm-hmm. something like that. Like they can go anywhere they want at this point. And like the, the ending for me, I loved it. Um, it was a really artistic way. And I think if you're a fan of Spider-Man and have known like, you know, Spider-Man has always wanted to keep his identity a secret, but then he falls in love with MJ falls in love with Gwen Stacy has trouble balancing work, school and being Spider-Man. And this was really the only way for for that to make sense, for it to actually happen where nobody knows how he exists. You have to use a big magical wizard in order to do so. Yeah. So um, the, yeah, the I, en- go ahead. That, that's what I mean. I, I just really love the ending because it, it made so much sense. Yeah, I can also I really appreciated that you needed Doctor Strange to make this movie happen. Right. The dimensions. But I can appreciate that they use that, but then pushed him to the side so that Spider-Man is the focus of this movie. And it's not like, well, this is a Spider-Man movie, but it's also Doctor Strange, because that's the impression I got from the trailers. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, we're going to get this like Spider-Man teaming up with Doctor Strange. But it's not that like he's gone. Right. Like he gets stuck in the other dimension for the majority of the movie here. Um, And I appreciated that, that you could completely focus on Spider-Man for this movie alone and not worry about any of the other Avengers or anybody else like that. Um, even the past ones, right? Like Iron Man was a big part of the first Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Um, I just, even, you know, even it, kind of the second one, he was, yeah, he was yeah. pretty, he was a big component in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know yet. I have to think about it some more, whether or not I like, do I want Tom Holland to come back? Do I want them to go someplace else? I think deep down right now where it stands, I think the best option is to let him go um, and go at least for a little bit. Yeah. Go towards miles. Honestly, I think miles is just uh, like a grand slam at this point to bring him in. Um, The other Spider-Man movies with miles are, is fantastic. You got two more coming. Um, I just think it makes sense. He would fit in well with the whole young Avengers theme that we're going for right now. Uh, I don't know. I just, that's where I'm at right now, but it could change. No. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, you know, Spider-Man no way home is a near perfect film in ways that, you know, they kind of, it's all about curing the heroes and curing the villains in this one where it, 
it was kind of eh, you know, like curing the villains. Like they all come up with ways to do it within five minutes. They do. <laughs> and, and they do it that way. But uh, like I will say, I want to shout out like Willem Dafoe's performance yep. in the, in this movie was outstanding. Marissa Tomei also yep. again, like they it, it's funny. And I'll mention with Marissa Tomei, like the directors came out and were like, oh, no, we didn't want to like rehash the whole like Uncle Ben dying thing. It's like, oh, wait, <laughs> you we, did we it did. anyway. <laughs> yeah, we did it anyway, but with Aunt May. Yep. Um, yep. And w- with that, that was fine, because, you know, a lot of times like in the other in the other Spider-Man movies, that was Spider-Man's beginning where this is Tom Holland's like end in a way that he finally learns, like, you know, with great power, with great responsibility. <laughs> it's always going to find its way in there. Exactly. So, <laughs> you know, we had that. But, you know, and and with enough enough with Marissa Tomei, but uh, like Willem Dafoe's performance was outstanding. I didn't think he was going to be that like grand of a villain, but he played yeah. it so wonderfully. He he's a maniac and I loved I loved it. Yeah, because I mean, if you go back and watch the old Spider-Man movies now, his performance is not great. Yeah, <laughs> it's not great as Green Goblin at all. Uh, but those movies are so cheesy um in a good way but i just don't think like younger generation if they watch this and they're like oh i want to watch the other ones like my kid when we got out of there she's like i want to watch the ones with andrew garfield that's fine but i told her i was like i don't honestly think if you watch the older spider-man with toby you're probably gonna hate it (laughs) uh the cgi is not great i don't think the acting toby's acting was fine except for spider-man 3 we don't talk about that yeah Uh, but yeah i just don't think that one's gonna hit with the younger generation, Toby being in this movie was specifically for the older generation who grew up with Toby as their Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah. They, they did it all to perfection, but uh, like, do you have anything else to say about the movie? No, other than I'm glad if we're talking in credit scene that we're going to see Venom uh, in the Spider-Man universe somewhere, whether that's with Tom Holland coming back or somebody else. I don't know, but it definitely seems like they're bringing him in. Um, and then, yeah, the, the Dr. Strange trailer at the end. Fantastic. Can't yeah, wait. The, yeah. The Dr. Strange movie looks like it's going to be like a, I don't know, a, a, like almost vomit for your eyes. Yeah. Like it, it's, it looks like it's going to be insanely colorful, but, and I guess I'll mention my quick thing with Venom, like at the end of watching like Venom, let there be carnage. I didn't feel like. I don't know how Venom would be the villain because Eddie Brock and Venom's character don't make sense to be Spider-Man's villain, how they've grown together here. It seems like Eddie Brock's like this interpretation of Venom is clearly kind of meant to be an anti-hero type of thing Mm -hmm. where now how they've done it is it seems like there's a a little bit left over, um, you know, uh, symbiote. Yeah, symbiote yeah, from yeah. from Venom because I feel like they flashed him out of existence. Like that's going to be his own thing now, where yeah. we're going to have a completely different Eddie Brock that is going to be more of a menacing villain too. Yeah, um, or Spider-Man. that that little bit that was left on the bar attaches to somebody who's not Eddie Brock, and you just get a Venom villain that way. Yeah, uh, they could do that as well. Yeah, because I I, I did not see how this venom was going to be an adversary to Spider-Man. Like it didn't, I get that he yep. starts out as a villain and also becomes an anti-hero in a way, but you know, like venom is almost Spider-Man's most iconic villain. 
mm-hmm. and how Eddie Brock is in the Venom movies is not like menacing at all. He's just an emotional mess. Yeah, uh, for for most of it. So and maybe I'm, I'm, I mean they could go. I mean, Venom has always been a thing where the symbiote always attaches to Spider-Man directly. And then you have that battle of him trying to stay good and not go evil. So they could go that route. Maybe that's what they're thinking. But yeah, I mean, for sure, I think Brock getting snapped, not snapped, but put back into his dimension, puts him out of the way of being a villain um, and just focuses solely on, you know, somebody else or Peter Parker specifically being the villain. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I agree, and I think I think they I think they did that perfectly as well. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I I'm super excited for uh, the multiverse of madness with Doctor Strange. It, uh, yep. I would definitely say watch What If if you haven't yeah. already for Doctor <laughs> yeah. Strange. Um, I'm really interested in Benedict Cumberbatch's performance in that movie. It's going to be weird to see how that's going to play out. But yeah, cool. and that's not that far away. Wait, March? I think yeah, March. Three months from now, less than, yeah, about three months. So that's the next big one for us, besides obviously Hawkeye finale this week. Yep. I look forward to watching that. But uh, with that, I'm I'm good on Spider-Man. How about yep. you? I'm good. All right. Well, we're going to actually end the podcast here. I did everything all beforehand with the outro. So uh, other than that, I really hope that you guys enjoyed listening to me and Craig talk about Spider-Man No Way Home uh, spoiler cast here. So with that, we'll see you next time. See you later.